And one of the biggest talk shows on this station on Thursdays between 8 and 9, The Ozone with Ronnie O and Coach Joe. Brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors, turning scrap metal into cash. Are you ready? They are Ronnie O and Coach Joe. All right, Ronnie O and Coach Joe. We lost two huge luminaries in the sports world this week, one of whom was Vince Scully, the Dodgers announcer for 67 years. And here is a clip of one of his most famous calls. the demands until he was physically unable to start tonight with two bad legs the bad left hamstring and the swollen right knee and with two out you talk about a roll of the dice this is it if he hits the ball on the ground I would imagine he would be running 50 percent to first base so the Dodgers trying to catch lightning right now. 0-2 oh, to Gibson. Ball one. And a throw down to first. Davis just did get back. Good play by Ron Hassey using Gibson as a screen. He took a shot at the runner and Mike Davis didn't see it for that split second and that made it close. Gibson shaking his left leg making it quiver like a horse trying to get rid of a troublesome fly. Two and two. So Mike Davis, the tying run is at second base with two out. Now the Dodgers don't need the muscle of Gibson as much as a base hit. And on deck is the leadoff man, Steve Sachs. Three and two. Sachs waiting on deck. But the game right now is at the plate. High fly ball into right field. She is gone. In a year that has been so improbable, the impossible has happened. You know, I said it once before, a few days ago, that Kirk Gibson was not the most valuable player, that the most valuable player for the Dodgers was Tinkerbell. But tonight, I think Tinkerbell backed off for Kirk Gibson. And look at Eckersley, shocked to his toes. They are going wild at Dodger Stadium. No one wants to leave. And there you have it. One of the great calls of all time. And as he said, one of the most improbable home runs ever. Vin Scully, 67 years, the Dodgers announcer. And he started in 1950, went all the way to 2016. And he replaced a guy named Ernie Harwell on the broadcast team who went on to fame with the Tigers. Well, Red Barber, who was a University of Florida graduate, was the Dodgers announcer back in 1950. 
he got into a scrape and an argument with management and he ended up going across town then to be the Giants announcer. So Vince Scully also did NFL from 75 to 82. He did tennis. He did golf in the 70s and 80s. And um, he also did NBC baseball with a guy named Joe Garagiola from 76 to 82. Joe Garagiola owned our sister station, WNN, in 1971. You know, Vince Scully, uh, you heard the Kirk Gibson call from game, game one of the 1988 World Series. He also called on either radio or TV, the Don Larson World Series perfect game in 1956. He called a perfect game for Sandy Koufax in the 60s. He called a perfect game for Dennis Martinez in the 90s. He called Hank Aaron's 715th home run. And he also was on the mic for the World Series Game 6 when Bill Buckner made that error in 1986. Yeah, he sure was. Yeah, the... Behind the bag, yeah. fair ball. Exactly. And here comes Knight around to score. I mean, uh, oh, it, 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 even though it's been all these years, you're listening to that to that call or just thinking about the calls that he's made over the years, so you still get chill chill bumps. Chill yeah, bumps. you really do. A, 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 a legend. The other legend that we lost was, of course, Bill Russell. In my estimation, the greatest basketball player of all time. And we're going to take a break because we're going to have one of his teammates. Bailey Howell is going to come on with us and tell us about his time with Bill Russell and the Boston Celtics. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. This is Wayne Candy, former Haines City Hornets, Auburn Tiger, and 15-year NFL vet. You're listening to the Ronnie O and Coach Joe. In the Ozone. Ozone. Talk Radio 96.7 with Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone brought to you by Allied Scrap. All right. Ronnie O and Coach Joe back in the Ozone. And we told you that we lost one of the all-time greats, in my estimation, the greatest basketball player ever, Bill Russell. And we were fortunate enough to have his teammate come on with us, Mr. Bailey Howell. Bailey, welcome to the Ozone with Ronnie O and Coach Joe. Well, thank you very much. Uh, you were one of the greatest players ever at Mississippi State University back in 56 to 59. Your number 52 retired, and that was the first ever jersey retired at Mississippi State. And the road there by the gymnasium is called Bailey Howell Drive. That's quite an honor. Well, uh, certainly uh, <clears throat> Mississippi State uh, has uh, continued to promote me even though I no longer have any eligibility left. <laughs> <laughs> well, you played 12 NBA seasons and scored seven, over 17,000 points, a six-time All-Star, and you're in the Naismith Hall of Fame. And you were the first-round pick of the Pistons back in 1959, played for the Bullets, the Celtics, and the 76ers. And you won two NBA championships with the Celtics in 68 and 69. Bailey, when you came to the Celtics, you had played against Bill Russell, I'm sure. Tell us what it was like to play against him. Well, of course, uh, you never uh, had an open shot if you were close to the basket. And, of course, back then, without the three-point shot, uh the idea was to work the ball the closer to the basket you can get, uh, the better your percentage is going to be. And, um, of course, Bill with the Celtics, uh, he paroled 
the center <laughs> position in there. <laughs> and uh, you never had a uh, – you might have thought you had an open shot, but if, if Bill was anywhere close around, you didn't because he was always uh, – <clears throat> he had a great talent, uh, uh, great timing, great leaping ability. He had a 41-inch sleeve, so he had very long arms. And uh, he <clears throat> always tried to shut down the inside, and it's very hard to beat somebody from just shooting the ball outside all the time. Bailey is a teammate with him. Talk about – I've heard some of the Celtic players say that they felt like they could overplay people because they knew Russell was behind them and would clear up their mistakes. Right. Um, you uh, guarding someone on the perimeter, someone maybe that was a good outside shot, where most of the people are, uh, you can guard them closer uh, because uh, and try to cut, the, limit them, limit their outside shots. And, of course, when you really are guarding a guy close, you're more vulnerable for him to get around you driving to the hoop. But that didn't mean that uh, it was going to be uh, a basket for the opponent because uh, <clears throat> Bill was always there when they tried to uh, take it all the way to the hoop. <laughs> uh, and so uh, you just made sure when that happened, that you tried to get to where uh, Bill's man, when Bill, made, Bill, Bill left his man to go after the shooter, you tried to get the dump-off pass to Bill's man um, to prevent an easy basket by their by their center, you know. So <laughs> um, uh, we've got a caller on the line, one of our most knowledgeable callers, Cougar Lou. Cougar Lou, you're on with Bailey Howell. Oh, great! Hey, how are you tonight, Bailey? Well, I'm fine, thank you. Well, uh, I uh, I have a question for you, and that that is, when you were playing uh, for Middleton High in uh, in Tennessee. Uh, did you take a lot of heat for not going to the University of Tennessee? Uh, actually, uh, University of Tennessee is in Knoxville all the way across the state from where Tennessee, Tennessee is a long or a wide state. Uh, and Middleton is in the western uh, portion of, the, of Tennessee, very close to to the Mississippi River, only 60 miles away, 65 miles away, and uh, Knoxville's all the way on the other end of the state. So, <laughs> no, I didn't. What about Memphis? Well, Memphis State was a, a good program at that time, and that was probably my second choice. Uh, in fact, early on, I thought I might go to Memphis State, uh, but um, things didn't work out that way. Um, I ended up deciding to go to Mississippi State. I wanted to play, really, in the SEC if I could. And uh, 
So I ended up at Mississippi State, and it turned out to be a, a great decision because um, we uh, finally won the SEC my senior year. And as you know, uh, they've named a <laughs> they've named a, a street on the campus after me. And <laughs> they well, retired my number, that. retired my number, and all that stuff. So it's been a good. Uh, Good relationship. Things worked out for the best. Well, thank, thank you for taking my call, sir. Thanks, Cougar Lou. We're okay. uh, uh-huh. our guest tonight, the great Hall of Famer Bailey Howell, six eight two fourteen thirty. Just like uh, Cougar Lou just did, call in at six eight two fourteen thirty if you want to talk to Bailey Howell, NBA Hall of Famer. Hey, hey, Coach Joe here. It's great talking to you again. I uh, missed you the last couple of years. Uh, I hope you're doing well. I the um, before you you make your comeback at Mississippi State, I want to ask you a couple of questions. Um, uh, you know, you were with the Celtics all the way through 1970. Uh, so, were you uh, part of the team that Bill Russell coached as well as played for? Yes, uh, uh, I was traded to Boston uh, in 1966, uh, right before training camp started. That spring, the Celtics had won eight championships in a row. Uh, and uh, I, although Philadelphia had a better season record, Boston uh, beat them in the playoffs and won their eighth championship in a row. And Red Arback retired. So Red had a special relationship with Russell. Uh, he, as you can imagine. And uh, so he called Russ, in, Russ into the office and said, Russ, we got to name a new coach. We have to name we need we need to pick somebody that you're willing to play for. Who would you play for? And Russell thought about it and said, the only guy I'll play for is Frank Ramsey. Frank Ramsey, you know, had been on the Celtics for a number of years right. and had been retired for a couple of years at that time. So they offered the job to Frank, but Frank uh, owned a bank in uh, Kentucky. He lived on a golf course. He uh, he, he he turned him down. He, <laughs> he, he decided he he didn't want to uh, uh, try to coach in the NBA. So since Russell wouldn't play for anybody else, they named Russell a player coach. <laughs> well, and and he and was. That, he was successful as a as a player coach. Uh, what what's yeah, it like that for that first that first year? Uh, uh, it was like I was the kiss of death. <laughs> <laughs> no, how's that? How's that possible? <laughs> and, then, and then, but we turned around the next two years. You know, everybody said that dynasty's over, Boston's that type of thing. But we still won the championship the, the following two years. Well, you know, there's all that talk historically about those great Celtics-Lakers series back in the 60s that the Celtics always prevailed in, and the Lakers had Jerry West and Elgin Baylor. What was it, how did you guys go about defensing those two guys? Well, you uh, actually, you didn't try to uh, double-team them or anything like that. You just did the best job you could on them individually. And you tried to uh, make sure you shut down the guys you could. Uh, uh, 
What was Bill Russell's role in in the defense? You're talking about two, you know, uh, back ball handlers and shooters. Uh, I know we know about the battles that Russell had with Chamberlain at the center position, but what about uh, what was his role in the defense against West? Well, uh, actually, if West ventured close to the basket, that was Russell. Yeah. Russell didn't, <laughs> kind of didn't guard him. Yeah. Russell didn't guard him on the perimeter. Uh, whoever was guarding him on the perimeter just did the best job they could on him. Of course, he continued to score a lot of points, but uh, it's very difficult for one guy uh, to score enough points to beat a team. And we had a team. We had uh, quite a few guys that were good scorers. Um, Bill averaged over double uh, average double points uh, in the playoffs. Uh, and, of course, we had Sam Jones, John Havlicek. Uh, <clears throat> was K.C. Jones still there then? My, my first year in Boston, K.C. was. But then he retired. So, um, well, you were quite a scorer yourself. Well, uh, my first year in Boston, uh, I... Averaged, uh, well, actually, my first 10 years in the league, I averaged 20 points a game and over 10 rebounds. Wow. So uh, I prided myself in trying to be consistent and produce for my team every night. And you play so often, that's hard to do. Yeah. (laughs) You know, the the guys that can uh, get ready to play – come to play every night, uh, you know, are, are certainly very important for any any club in the NBA. Uh, Bailey, the, you're 6'7", you're and uh, Russell, I guess, was about 6'10". In that era, uh, where did you guys stand in terms of, of height? Uh, well, you know, there was a couple of seven-footers in the league at that time. Wilt actually... Claimed he was just seven feet and one and one and one sixteenth inch tall. He said, but he was more like seven three. There were other, you know, um, big guys as well. But power forwards were generally in, in the six seven or eight range. Um, and um, so height-wise, uh, we wasn't at a very big disadvantage if we were at a disadvantage at all. Um, Bailey, I'm sorry. Russell's You've got a caller that wanted to, to okay. talk to you, Buckeye Bob. Buckeye Bob, okay. you're on with Bailey Howell. Bailey, I just got a quick question for you. I'm from the, the Midwest area. Did you ever – was Henry Finkel – was he on your team? Yeah. Were you ever teammates of Henry Finkel? Yeah. He's a University uh, of Dayton Flyers. Uh, the last uh, year I was in uh, Boston, uh, Boston picked up Henry Finkel in a trade, and so I played one season with Henry. Did you? Uh, okay. Yeah. I, I got to see him at the old University of Dayton Flyers uh, field house when I was Yeah. Yeah, back in the, uh, I was I was real young. Ronnie and those guys are ten times older than I am. <laughs> but, and, 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 so 
I didn't get, I didn't, I, I can remember going there and seeing him play and uh, him and that Bobby Joe Hooper and a couple other guys, but that was it. But yeah. Finkel was uh, the Dayton Florida. I remember to play on the Celtics. Got drafted. Yeah. I think he uh-huh. got drafted by the Lakers. If I wasn't mistaken. Uh, I don't know who his uh, team was that drafted him, but he, he had a, a, a multi-year career in the NBA. Um, yeah, I don't know exactly the date he retired, but he was uh, in in Boston for with Boston for two or three years, I'm sure. Buckeye uh, Bob, yeah. thank you for the call. We appreciate it. We're almost out of time, Bailey. Okay, uh, guys. We would be remiss if we didn't mention the fact that your son-in-law. Scott Strickland is not only a fine gentleman, but also the athletic director at the University of Florida, previously being at Mississippi State University. Yeah, Scott used to be known as my son-in-law, but now <laughs> I'm known as as Scott's father-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> Bailey, thank you so much. We really appreciate you coming on with us tonight. It, it's a special privilege to be able to talk to you and reminisce with you, and we are deeply appreciative of your time. Well, thank you very much. It was certainly a big break for me when I got traded to the Celtics, and uh, it was uh, the most fun time of my career in the NBA. Everybody loves to win, and and uh, I have a couple of rings. And so I was very fortunate. Well, you were you were part a big part of that too. So we certainly appreciate you being on with us tonight, and uh, you have a great evening. All right, thank you. All right, thank you, Bailey. The Bye. great Bailey Howell, legendary uh, NBA player, and maybe the greatest player ever at Mississippi State University. He, he is awesome. Yeah, he really is. Love having him on the show. <laughs> well, we're going to take a break. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. Hey, we're talking sports in the Ozone. Talk Radio 96.7, Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the house. Brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors. Turning scrap metal into cash. All right, Ronnie O and Coach Joe back in the Ozone. Man, what a great interview with Bailey Howell. Man, that was a. I did not know that story about Bill Russell becoming the coach, but that's why you have people like that on. We got something we want you to call in on. The number is 682 1430. That's 682 1430. Have you ever missed a wedding or any important event, social event, because you wanted to go? or watch a football game, 682-1430. I'll tell you a story, two stories on myself. Uh, back in the 70s, my first job out of college, I had a good friend. He was a Florida State graduate, and he was marrying a young lady who was a Gator graduate. And he told me when his wedding was, and he said, you know, I want you to come. And I said, well, you know, that's the Florida-Auburn game. And I could tell you my Aunt Tilly died, but I'm going to the game. <laughs> And he was not happy with me. His wife understood. He did not. But my brother, he got married in 1984 in November. And he said, Ron said, I want you to be best man in my wedding. I said, of course I'll do that. And he told me when it was. I said, oh, come on now. I said, that's Florida Auburn. So he goes back, talks to his fiance. They move it up a week. I said, oh, come on now. That's Florida Georgia. So they move it to the Kentucky game, which was an away game. 
And the Gators had been in the SEC for 53 years or 51 years and had never won the SEC title. Well, he ended up getting me because they won the SEC title in 1984 at Kentucky. I couldn't go to the game, didn't get to go to the celebration in Gainesville because I had to be best man at my brother's wedding. But I didn't lose my brother, and uh, he did move the wedding twice, so I guess we were even up. That was a great three-week stretch in 1984, and I was at all three games, so I just want to say. <laughs> oh, just rub it in. I did get to watch on TV. Uh, for me, I, that hasn't happened that much. Uh, and the most notable example for me was in 1994. Uh, the Gators were playing Auburn in Gainesville. Uh, so I wasn't going to be able to go to that game because of a wedding in another uh, state. Uh, but I figured at least I'll watch the game, you know, because it's going to end and then it'll be time to go to the wedding. And, and so it's it's televised up. This is up in Pennsylvania. And it's it's my cousin's wedding and everything. And and uh, I'm watching it. And it's a barn burner. It's a tight game. You know, chewing fingernails. There's about three minutes to go and we're clinging to a lead and it's time to go. And, and, <laughs> and I, you know, I wanted, oh, no, no, I don't want to. But uh, it was time to go. And and uh, it wasn't. It wasn't like I had a smartphone back then. <laughs> it was hours later before I found out. And I, I looked at it as, well, if we'd won, I could have found a replay later. But since we lost, maybe it's just as well I didn't have to watch that. <laughs> so, so, so there was that. And, that was the and, Frank Sanders game, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, something like that. In the oh, corner of the end zone. Yeah. yeah we, we Michael th- Gilmore, Dr. Michael Gilmore, who is now a surgeon, and he was a good enough player to play in the SEC, but he was a little short on speed, but a brilliant guy. Yeah, we let that one get away anyway. We had about three minutes to go. We we had the lead, and I believe we threw we got a little bit too aggressive through an interception, and that gave Auburn the ball back with enough time to drive down and, and beat us. And uh, that 94 team was the almost team. They were really good. You can see it was loaded with talent, but it wasn't quite good enough. And then, of course, they had the two-year run. After that, but, uh, uh, but but that came to mind. And then there was a long time ago, I was a, I was a kid, uh, the Super Bowl eleven. Yeah, it was the same day as a big uh, as a big wedding, and these were close friends, and they were nice enough to have a TV on during the reception. <laughs> and, but it was a tiny TV. I mean, it was one of those little portable ones you carry around at a game. So, uh, and and oh, you know. I was a kid, so I'm just watching as much of the game as I can get away with. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. All right, I got one for you here. There's six teams this year that are favored in all of their games by Las Vegas. In college football? Yeah, in college football. Okay. See how many of them you can name? Uh, All of their games. Yeah. Well, Alabama hasn't been an underdog even longer than I can remember, so them. Yeah. and since Georgia and Alabama don't play each other, it's probably them as well. Yes. So there's six of them? Yeah. There, there's one more very obvious one. Uh, Texas, well, it can't be Texas a because no. they're playing Alabama, so it can't be another Western Division team. Uh, probably Ohio State. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That makes a lot of sense for them. Exactly. And, they, and they probably are going to roll in the Big Ten. I don't see a lot of challenges for them. I agree. But will they – Beat everybody, or will they slip up somewhere along the way? You know, the Ohio, uh, Big Ten is filled with little pitfalls like that. 
Uh, I'm not sure. When do they play Penn State? That might be an interesting game. I'm not sure. I think it's fairly early on. So I think that one's at Penn State, isn't it? I, I think you're right. Yeah, that the, might... the other ones are – here's one that, that neither one of us would have ever gotten in a million years, Air Force. <laughs> yeah, wasn't they weren't they weren't on my short list of guesses? <laughs> no. Oh, you, did you want to guess any more? Uh, besides Air Force, um, yeah. uh, Notre Dame. No, no, they're an underdog to somebody. Big Twelve. In the Big Twelve, yeah. Oklahoma. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah I was I was going to say them at some point as well. And then Pac Twelve. Uh, it's got to be USC, right? Utah. Utah's favored in every game. Every game. How hmm. about that? Including the opener in Gainesville. Yeah, I know they're favored over us, but but, uh, uh, take the points if you're a Gator fan. (laughs) (laughs) Why don't we go ahead and take a break? Because I know there's some hungry and thirsty people out there, and they can't wait for that $30 gift certificate to Miller's Lakeland Ale House. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. Hello, I'm Sam Silas, former U.A. star and NFL pro bowler. You're listening to Ronnie O. and Coach Joe in the Ozone. Ozone. Oh, yeah. The Ozone with Ronnie O. and Coach Joe brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors, turning scrap metal into cash. All right, Ronnie O. and Coach Joe back in the Ozone. Coach Joe, I think I hear stomachs growling out there in the audience. No, sorry or, about that. Or is that the Clarkster? <laughs> Maybe that's Eric. I'm just hungry. <laughs> He's always hungry. Eric, Eric's growling at us, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are here to cure hunger one person at a time, and we've got a $30 gift certificate to Miller's Lakeland Ale House. If you haven't won in the last six months, here's what we want to know. Give us a call, 682-1430. That's 682-1430. And what we want to know is, if you were listening, where did Bailey Howell play his college basketball? Or if you can give us his number or if you can give us Bill Russell's number, we will give you a $30 gift certificate to Miller's Lakeland Ale House. 682-1430. That's 682-1430. We'll even make it easier. Name any one of the teams. I think Brady Bailey Howell played for four NBA teams. Name any one of those teams. Man, how easy is that, Coach Joe? Are we easy if, here or what? If you were listening and weren't sleeping during this segment <laughs> earlier in the show with Bailey Howell, and thank, thanks again, Bailey, for being a great guest, all those answers are readily apparent to you. And there's so many ways to win. You can't help but give, but give away the $30 tonight. Oh, we got somebody calling in already. Oh, lucky, lucky caller. Yes, sir. 5650 South Florida Avenue. That's where they're going to be going if they know the answer. That's where the Ale House is, and they've got over 40 strategically located television sets. You can watch your favorite sporting event from anywhere in the restaurant and have great meal and drink specials every night of the week. Yeah, our great GM over there, Jorge, he'll, he'll make sure you get exactly what you want on the TV in front of you. And uh, they got great servers there, including our man Dax behind the bar, who's uh, just He'll take care of you. He's he's a hardworking dude and, and, and always, always knows exactly which, what you want, and he'll remember you. Oh, so yeah. Great, great service there. Terrific. Daryl, how you doing, we my man? this to Daryl tonight. Golly. I was listening to you talking to Bailey Howell. Yeah, he and I are about the same age. I think he's 85. No, he's, he's <laughs> older than you are. Let me tell you, that, that fella could pass. Yes, he could. 
He was a great team player because I remember watching him Sunday afternoon on ABC. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they'd get that fast break going, and that he could he could they, they'd move that ball around, and they'd get a layup every time, every time moving the ball up and down the court. You know, one of the things that that they don't talk about enough is that Russell. You know, he was not an egomaniac, and when he blocked shots, he often tried to block it to a teammate. And if he got a rebound, they usually had guards or forwards running down both sides of the court, and he'd fire an outlet pass, and like you said, it usually ended up as a dunk or a layup at the other end. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's no question about it. But Bailey Howell, best known for those skinny legs that he had, and his, he was so white it was the same color as his as his is his pants, those white. <laughs> they wore them tight shorts back then, too, didn't they? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. But anyway, so what are the what questions you wanted to know that Bill Russell, he was number six, wasn't That's he? That's correct. Exactly. And uh, I, Bailey Howell went to, yeah, he went to Mississippi State. That's correct. And what else do I need to know now? <laughs> you don't what, have to answer them all. What, what but, number was uh, he? Or go name, for it. name any one of the NBA teams he played for him. It's pretty obvious at he this played point. for the Celtics, obviously. Yeah. He was drafted by the Pistons. He played for the, the Bullets, and he played for um, the 76ers briefly. Well, Bullets Havlicek were in Baltimore was, back then, for those of you listeners who are trying yeah. to figure out who the Bullets are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so, but, yeah, they changed the Bullets that had name. been a shooting in Baltimore since. Yeah. They're, <laughs> <laughs> Have you been to Baltimore's Inner Harbor yes. in the last year? No. Not in the last year. No. Okay, I, I just want to let you know. Uh, you don't want to go. It's, <laughs> no, is, I'm is Bertha's still disaster. there with the muscles? Is is that that was? I think the name of the place was Bertha's. A really really good place that had great muscles. You could throw some darts there. It's probably not there anymore. Probably not. No. Nope. <laughs> it, it, it's been the Inner Harbor area is an absolute war zone. It oh, is man. awful. And Fort That's McHenry's right there. You, you hate hate like heck for something like that to happen. But um, we've got somebody here that lived in Baltimore and has been to the Inner Harbor many times, Dr. Michaeline. Dr. Michaeline, uh, how many times have you been to Inner Harbor? I know that you've been many times. So. Well, it was too numerous to count, but uh, it's, it's interesting, Daryl, because the first move to Baltimore in 1977 before the Inner Harbor yeah. had been redeveloped, and it was kind of like you described <laughs> And then I lived in Baltimore through much of the uh, renovation of the Inner Harbor, which was just an amazing thing to see over time. So I'm very dis- sorry to hear that uh, it's not we, as we, yeah. Well, we were we were um, we were at a small group last night, and there was a couple at the small group who uh, who was had, is up in, from was from that area, and they were telling tell us about because my son. I had a son that got his doctorate at Johns Hopkins. Yeah, that's why I was there in Baltimore for those years, the same reason. But anyway. Um, Back then you could walk uh, to, to Baltimore's Memorial Stadium right. at night with no problem, right? See the, ball, yeah, the Orioles well, play. Well, Memorial <laughs> Stadium was in a different part of town, but uh, but but the, the years I lived in Baltimore from 77 to 85 uh, because of uh, studying uh, for a degree like you described was uh, – the years of uh, William Donald Schaefer was the mayor, and Baltimore is best. And <laughs> the great one of the great renovations of an American urban center. Uh, Baltimore is. A, I will tell you, I've never been to Philly before, but I'm told that the row houses 
in Baltimore are very similar to the row houses in Philly. Yes, that's and it, true. It's really it's it's marvelous to drive through the area and see the old row houses and stuff. But the the neighborhoods have degenerated tremendously in the last four to five years. Well, I do remember in 1984, in the spring of 1984, which was right after the Orioles had won the World Series, they held a big welcome to spring. Uh, they were returning from spring training. Welcome to the new baseball season. The rally was held in the Inner Harbor. When did they open Camden Yards? Do you know? Uh, not. I don't remember exactly. Uh, it was after it's I had left. Late 90s. Wasn't it was it? in the 90s. Early yeah. 90s. I yeah. Think. Uh, all the stadium. all the time that I lived in Baltimore, and I moved back to Miami in '85. Uh, Memorial Stadium was the home of the Orioles. And uh, for those of us who were living in the Johns Hopkins University neighborhood, it was a nice short walk <laughs> to the Memorial Stadium to see the Orioles, which is how I got to see so much of the 1983 season. So uh, anyway, well, I hope I hope that the uh, situation in the Inner Harbor improves because it would really was and it still is beautiful to look at oh it really is yeah. and i mean to go to fort mchenry and yeah. as you said you know the the restaurants and the shops and stuff down there last time i was there it was it was okay i mean it had started on its downhill slide but it was okay the, the first baseball game real baseball game i ever went to was in old memorial stadium it was the orioles and the twins burt bly 11 against jim palmer and uh, I actually got to go to see um, the Baltimore Colts play in M- Old Memorial Stadium in a game against the Dallas Cowboys, and it was like in December. And Oh, my goodness, that Horseshoe Stadium, the wind was blowing in. It was about 35 degrees, and the wind was blowing in that open end of the stadium at about 30 miles an hour, and this Florida boy was cold. Yeah. Okay, Ronnie. There was a corner of that stadium named for a player. Jimmy Orr, Orr's Corner. Jim Orr's Corner. Number 28, Jimmy Orr from University of Georgia. I think he caught 100 touchdowns from Johnny Unitas in that corner. Do you remember that they had to put plywood up there to cover the dugouts so that you didn't run into the dugout out of the end zone? There was just no room That's out right. behind that end zone. It was, yeah, it was right down. I mean, it was... Yeah, it was right into the right into the corner of that stadium. That's right. And there was no grass on the field by November. <laughs> yeah, that closed end of the field over there got incredibly loud, uh, and and teams would get stuck in there and and really be at a disadvantage. Uh, at, at the last stadium. time, the last time that Cleveland won the NFL championship was against the Colts. Nineteen sixty four. 27 to nothing. Yeah, oh, man, that was a dark day. That was a bad day. I was rooting for the Colts, and they just didn't get anything done all day long. Dr. Frank Ryan Frank was the Ryan. quarterback yep. there. And who was the wide receiver? Gary? Gary number, Collins. Gary Collins, number 86, I think he was. Killed the Colts that day. Yep. Man, dark day. And I think I, it was uh, – was it Ernie – Ernie? was it Ernie uh, – Ernie, it wasn't Ernie Davis. It no, was Ernie, Ernie Davis Ernie Green? never played a game for Ernie Green might have been Ernie, Ernie Green was Kelly, the, Leroy Kelly. Leroy Kelly, my, my, okay, okay. I'm not yeah. sure. It was one of those guys. I'm not sure. Kelly was the late 60s, I think, right? Could have been. It could have, yeah. You could be right. It could have been Ernie Green. In fact, they might have played on the same team. Um, Ernie Green might have been a fullback, and Leroy Kelly played t- 
tailback form, I think. I, I, I ought to look that up. I'm not sure. There were no tailbacks back then. There were two running backs. <laughs> two halfbacks, yeah. Left halfback, right halfback. You're right. And big John Mackey was the tight end. No, that Mackey was for the Colts. Yeah, for the Colts. That old T formation that everybody ran back then, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, well, they had the pro set. Yeah, that's that they true. ran out of. Everybody, everybody ran the same offense. They did. You had a split everybody end on ran the, the left, same offense. tight end and a flanker on the right, two running backs. Yeah. That, wow. Those were the days. Well, Daryl, if you'll hang on the – go ahead. You got something else? We still got a little bit of time. No, I'm just, I, I'm just, just crossing my fingers for the Gators this year. Just crossing my fingers. They're doing better in recruiting, Daryl. The last month, they uh, they're, they're they're moved up into twelfth, uh, I think, and uh, and the uh, on three dot com. Check them out. They they said they were one of the hottest teams of the month of July. So uh, signs of life. I I hope so. I hope so because this is when you open up against the team that played in the Rose Bowl last year. You you've got some pro. You got you got some, you got to be ready to play ball. Come out fast. Yeah, and they returned their quarterback. <laughs> Daryl, hang on the line, and um, we'll get you uh, out to the alehouse, and you can take Cody out there and uh, let him eat $30 worth. Yeah, Cody told, want me to tell you got a new pacemaker last week. All right. So we're, ready, we're, we're going for another nine years on this one. All right. Give me a big – give him a big hug from us. I'll do it. All right. Thank you. Hang on the line, Daryl. Okay. All right. What a great show tonight, man. Yeah. Daryl, Cougar Lou, Buckeye Bob, Bailey Howell. Man, and we even had a clip from Vin Scully. We had the legendary Clarkster. And, man. Lynn Ericks. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, wow. <laughs> thanks. And Dr. Oh, Michael and, and let me add a happy anniversary as well. Uh, thanks to Lynn 